This is Mark Kelly, and I'm part of the leadership at City Church Leeds, and I want to thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope that it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. If you find these podcasts helpful, would you please consider standing with us and supporting us? For more information about this and other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. Kathy's already mentioned refresh. Oh, yeah. Well, we just on that thing about the alpha. A suggestion that'd be a great thing to organise through life groups, Ra- rather than people just individually taking stuff. I mean, not that anybody should not do that individually, but wouldn't it be great to be able to just say, what are we as a group going to do, and where are we going to kind of target this stuff in terms of getting this information out? And it may be that you give some, you know, point of contact in the life group so that um, as a result of perhaps people's connection, they can then follow that through into something that's local to them. Just a thought. Hmm. Do you know, I had, I had everything prepared this morning and then it all got, <laughs> it all just got sent all over the place. First thing I want to do, though, is just to, as I mentioned last week, we've heard about Refresh, which, for those of you who don't know, is our welcome to students who are coming to the city and who, by something of tradition now, tend to use Friday night as an excuse to travel up and down the Otley Road outside and visit all the watering holes on the way. And uh, we want to give them a genuine watering hole here by offering them free food and a drink, an opportunity to be able to chat with somebody and to meet the life of God in a, a Christian, whether it's just chatting with them, praying with them or whatever. Uh, refresh is one of those things that we've got going on. And we've already heard about Alpha, which will be starting shortly. Both of those uh, require resource. And so next week we are going to be uh, bringing an offering and Partly, today has got a kind of connection to that, but what I want to talk about is actually a lot, lot bigger. But um, I do want to remind us about that opportunity that we've got next week to be able to sow into these things, even though we may not be directly and personally involved in them. So, (coughs) Refresh and Alpha are both going to require some resources, and that's why we'll be taking the offering. Uh, The other thing that we'll be doing next Sunday is uh, bringing, hopefully, food items. Now, when you came in, you should have received one of these. If you came in, when you came in through the door. This is uh, one side of a leaflet that relates to food bank. And before I go any further, Paul is just going to put up on the screen a very short video clip which explains about food bank. People tell me that we saved their lives, and I think, oh, we just gave you some food. And they say, no, you saved my life. I was thinking of killing myself. Because you don't understand the despair, the shame, we can't pay the rent, you can't feed your kids, and then you guys gave me some food. 
We provide nutritionally balanced food sufficient for three days minimum and it's all the things that you would need so that you can provide breakfast, lunch and dinner for yourself and the other people that are dependent on you. The people come in, they meet with food bank volunteers who talk to them a bit about their needs, provide them with a hot meal there and then, just sympathise with them in, in the difficulty they're going through. Every item of food has been donated by people in the local community. We engage with schools, with businesses, with churches. The whole message is, would you help your hungry neighbour? We get lots of feedback from clients. They tell us, it's the first place I've been where people didn't judge me. Hundreds of social workers, church pastors, Probation officers have sent their clients with vouchers to the food bank. And it's for two adults and four children, isn't it? Our vision's really straightforward. We want to see a food bank in every community in this country. By 2015-16, we'll be mobilising more than five million people to do food banks. So that's five million people getting involved in the local communities. And the lead is being taken by churches up and down the nation. <laughs> Many of you will have heard about Food Bank, I think. There's been quite a lot in the news. Is that familiar, the idea? The great thing is that we now... Uh, the, the clip there was from the, the Trussell Trust, which is a kind of enabling charity, which developed the idea some ten years ago and which has seeded the whole concept around the country and some people I know are involved in it already. We have four... Uh, in this city, we have four licensed food banks connected with the Trussell Trust and uh, the first outlet is going to be opening this month. We've collected something like nine tons of food already re in readiness for meeting the kind of needs that people have and it's really for people who have an emergency food need and you know you'll have seen from the clip something of what that is aimed at. Next week we've got the opportunity to be able just to bring food and to be able to add to that supply. And the reason for giving you that little leaflet that you picked up on your way in is because if you hold it in front of you and you look at the bottom right-hand side, there is a list of the typical food items that we can bring, that we can supply for people in our communities who are in need. So next week, can I ask you just to have a look at that list Think about something from there in your weekly shop or whenever you do it and uh, bring that and we'll have uh, a means here uh, to be able to collect that food and we'll make sure that it gets through to the local warehouse. Um, the problem with, the question was about homemade jam. The difficulty with it is that we don't know what, how, how the, you know, uh, when it's going to time out, you know, about freshness and we don't know the source of it and all that sort of stuff. So. Probably not. I mean, nice idea. <laughs> Lovely idea. <laughs> and somebody informally, you might want to give it to them. But uh, yeah, stuff that's properly sourced and where you've got a date, supply date for it. Okay, is that clear for everybody? Good, eh? Uh, Father, I'm just going to ask you for your help this morning to discharge what's in my own heart. And I'm going to pray that, Lord, you give us ability to hear with ears what it is that you want to say so Lord Holy Spirit we ask you just to reign over us this morning 
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I did trail this last week. That this would be part two. And if you remember, we looked at a passage in Matthew's Gospel. Now, for the, from the start this morning, I want you just to use your imagination a little bit. And I want you to put yourself back into first century Palestine. Just imagine that you're in those events that we read of last week in Matthew 4. You've lived in this place called Capernaum all your life. It's one of a number of towns and villages around Galilee. There's about ten of them. And so there's quite a community around this area where you've grown up. And you've grown up with stories of Israel's once proud history, of its great kings, of its unimaginable wealth, of its empire that extended to boundaries that you couldn't even dream of. But now you're in a place that's just occupied territory. The Romans, they don't bother you much, but they just collect your taxes. You've grown up with stories of God's great deeds in the past, of a a slave people rescued from tyranny, and then of their miraculous preservation through 40 years of traveling through the wilderness, through the desert. You've grown up with stories of Moses centuries before, how he was given the law by God in this somehow this face-to-face encounter with God. And through that you've learned through your life and through your, you know, your tradition, you've learned how to live right. You've heard the rabbi teachers talk about the prophets and mysteriously they've talked about a new day that's coming. They've talked about, sorry, talked about God becoming king again. But it all seems a long time either in the past or a a long time in the future. And then one day this happy guy rents a house in your town. Rumour has it that he's from Nazareth, 14 miles across country. The kids seem to like him. He seems to spend his time going from place to place and everywhere he goes he pulls a crowd. Some of those young fishermen Zebedee's boys and a couple of their mates have teamed up with him and then you hear about the miracles now this you have to see for yourself sure enough deaf people hearing for the first time people who couldn't walk having their limbs restored blind people gaining their sight and these are people you've known all your life this man Jesus he has your attention now when he talks with people It's not like the other preachers who come through. It's like he grabs your insides. He talks about a kingdom, but not some distant time in the past. To him, it's as if it's all present. He's talking about now. And then, as you listen, you catch a phrase that he uses over and over again. Your Father in heaven. Your Father in heaven and suddenly it all starts to seem to make sense just come back with me if those of you who were here last week do you remember we talked about how Jesus came preaching this good news about the kingdom of heaven and it was as if he was giving us new lenses to be able to look at the world that this kingdom that he was talking about was more real than the one that he was confronting 
that things like fear, sickness, death, oppression, these things were not the norm in the world that he was announcing. And what he was doing was introducing us to this world that he lived in. While we were talking last week, I alluded to uh, a verse, the scripture in Isaiah 9, where it talks about what's at the heart of this kingdom. That this kingdom is actually about family. And we used that scripture where it says, unto us, or to us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And that what that tells us is that the government of this kingdom is on the shoulders of a son. That the government of this kingdom, it's not a regime, it's not an administration, but it's a relationship. And Jesus comes using this expression, your father in heaven. He somehow, he's, he's reset, if I can use the word paradigm, you know what I mean? The word paradigm, he's reset the way that we think about kingdom. Because the good news is, it's a new relationship. We also talked last week about um, how Jesus came and prophetically what he was doing, he was fulfilling a scripture where it says, in the future God will honour the Gentiles. Up until that point, the Gentile people had no share in anything to do with Israel's history. They had no part in the promises, no part of God's covenant with that nation. They had, in effect, no expectation of the good things that that covenant promised. They were, to all intents and purposes, orphans. But now, Jesus comes and announces to them and to us, you are no longer an orphan. You are a child. We are children of God. He says, I'm not going to read it all, it's just too much, but the, the thing, that, that passage in Scripture that we call the Sermon on the Mount, the things that we call the Beatitudes, and I, I just, in my imagination, I imagine Jesus actually looking out across the crowds that are gathered. I imagine him looking out on them and responding to what's in them. And he's looking at them and he's saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And I'm looking at you. Blessed are you when you mourn. You will be comforted. He's not coming, with, it's, not, it's not abstract. He's looking at people. He's looking at the people around them. And he's saying there's, do you know, there's good news for you. You will inherit the kingdom. And in there he says somewhere, you who are peacemakers, you who are enemy lovers, you are sons of God. In other words, you're being like your father. You are displaying the nature of your father in heaven. We're no longer orphans, but we are children. You know, if, if you know your word, you'll know um, after that passage that we call the Beatitudes, Jesus, he, it's funny this, he kind of goes after, he somehow picks up this law that everybody, that you, had you been living in Capernaum at that time, you'd have been familiar with this. Um, and he says, I didn't come. I didn't come to abolish this. I came to fulfill it. And he talks about things like um, murder and adultery and divorce and disputes. And when he says, I've come to fulfill it, he doesn't say it's all over. He says, no, the bar just got higher. You, you just got to 
talk badly about your neighbor and you've as good as murdered them. You just look at somebody else with lust in your heart and you've as good as committed adultery. And at that point, if you're anything like me, you just kind of go, sorry, it's all over. No hope. No way. But Jesus is introducing us to something and he's saying, no, this is, this is actually what your Father in heaven is like. Here's some, here's some good news. You are like him because you were born of him. Paul picks the same theme up in, in Romans 13. He talks about those same kinds of things. And he says, do you know, there's a higher law. It's called the law of love. So this is not about trying. It's not about trying harder. Jesus hasn't come to say, come on people, just try harder. He said, no. The Father wants to come and live in your heart and reproduce in you the same love that he has. And that law, that law of love, will see to it that all those other things will follow. So, in that, in that fifth chapter, of, or what we call the fifth chapter of Matthew, summarizing so many of the things that Jesus taught about, he's talking about these man-on-man relationships and saying, I'm introducing you to a law which is from heaven. It's called the law of love and it comes from your Father who will live inside you. The next chapter, he goes on and he starts to pick up the, uh, the religious laws. So, He's just been dealing with the social laws, the things that came through Moses. Now he's dealing with the religious laws that came also through Moses. And he talks about things like um, giving alms, you know, giving to the needy. He talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. Uh, He talks about having heaven as your, your priority. So if you remember, he's talking about Um, you know, we'll read a bit of it in a second, but these have been things which in the culture of the time were all things that people did, if you like, in order to somehow maintain or establish their relationship with God. But Jesus says no, no. Eleven times in those two chapters, Jesus talks about your Father in heaven. What's he trying to say? You know, he's dealing with law, social and religious, but 11 times he uses this phrase, your father in heaven. What's he trying to say? I believe it's this. What he's communicating, and by setting the bar so high, he was saying that the law was hinting at my world, but the law, in the end, was inadequate to convey to you what my world is like. It could give you the outline, but it couldn't tell you the heart, the color, the depth. But let me tell you what it's like. His world is governed not by rules, but it's governed by a relationship. And that's all I want to say. That this kingdom that we've come into is not governed by a set of rules. It's governed by our relationship. It's governed by the day-to-day life relationship that you and I have with our Father in heaven. That is the thing which sets the plumb line for absolutely everything. The religious mindset, let me throw this one out. The religious mindset says, I come to God by doing these things. I come to God by doing these things. 
We've, got a, we've all got our own version of that, haven't we? You know, whether it is, must read the Bible more, I don't pray enough, I ought to be doing this, that, or the other, or I wish I was more caring. You know, we've all got our version of that. But the religious mindset says, I come to God by doing these things. Heaven's mindset says, I do these things by coming to God. I do these things by coming to God. So I find my connection with God. And through him, I find myself spontaneously, automatically doing the kinds of things that are in accordance with the law, no, even exceed the law, because they are motivated by the love of God that is in my heart. I just want to applaud the Lord. This gospel, this gospel of the kingdom is so, so different from anything of a religious type. Just to help us, let's just read a bit, shall we? Can you look, if you've got your Bible, at uh, Matthew 6? And I'm just going to read the first four verses. And it is possible, it is possible to read these scriptures with a religious mindset and feel that somehow Jesus is just adding another layer. But bear in mind what I've just said, that all of this comes out of a relationship. It comes from a life lived with God. So, if you're there with me, I'll just read it. It says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's this funny thing, isn't there, where, um, if I can say, the religious mindset says, oh, right now, I've got to make sure I do this in secret. Um, so I won't tell anybody about what I'm giving. Um, I'll kind of keep that to myself. And that way I know I'll be fulfilling what God's after. No, that's not what that's about. What, that, what this is about is saying, let your generosity come out of the secret place. Let your givenness of heart, let your readiness to respond to the needs of the poor, let it come out of the freshness and life of your secret place, your place of relationship with your Father who is in heaven. It's not about being religious. <laughs> Quite the opposite. It's simply about letting the life of God that you are plugged into, letting it flow out. Interesting how this talks about reward. And you ask yourself, and said to Kate, was it yesterday or the day before, what's he talking about? What's his reward? And Kate, just straight off the bat, without hesitation, just said, it's him. And I thought, oh, I have a good wife. <laughs> she knows stuff. You know, there was me trying to work it out, and she just comes out with it like that. Uh, so I went away, and I was just looking at this a little bit. Because, you know, we, we're a bit, bit nervous, aren't we, about this idea of reward. You know, if we give, what's this about reward? We don't do it for reward. No. But somehow reward 
is there. It's in the, it's in the economy of heaven. And so I went and looked up. Uh, you know, have you heard this, the law of first mention? It's a way of interpreting scripture. You know, So the first time the Bible mentions a, a particular theme or an idea, that sets the tone for everything, every other mention of that concept in the word. And I went and looked at the first time where this term reward comes in the scripture. And it's, it's this, it's in Genesis 15 and verse 1. And it comes after the Lord's covenant with Abraham. And I'll just read you what it says. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. And then it says, I am your very great reward. I am your reward. That's knockout. I am your reward. So your father, who sees in secret, he says, if you just live out of our secret place live it let it come out and guess what i will be your reward i will be i will fill you up i will fill you to overflowing i will fill you so that you cannot contain what is coming your way you are just going to have to let it out it may be generosity it may be prayer it may be those times of fasting where you just want to give yourself to God it may be in relation to all those attractive things that the world offers and you say no actually I have a better place it's called heaven that's where I'm going to store my treasure because it's coming out of this reward this life it's him he wants this family relationship to govern our life so it fills absolutely everything. The secret place, if you like, is a key. It's, a, it's a, a little shorthand for our life with God. He, it want, he wants you to allow it day to day, moment to moment, just to fill everything. Uh, yesterday, Kate and I were at, um, we went to Harrogate Showground, didn't we? It's the autumn flower show at the moment. We were just having a day out, mixing with people there on the showground, seeing some of this weird and wonderful stuff there was a moment I did stop by the display of lilies and I got the closest thing I've ever become to being high on the, the scent honestly overpowering absolutely wonderful but I was just enjoying the day not just with Kate but with my father in heaven it was just wonderful spending the day together and you know sitting down we, we sit down at a cup of tea and start chatting with the people on the table next to us or talking to a guy running one of the display stands or you know and you just find actually this life it just comes out you know you just find it it spills over your father in heaven this good news this government is about a relationship and that's all Jesus was doing he was saying look it's how I live. It's what enables me to see what I see. It's what enables me to do what I do. It's what I'm sharing when I talk to you. It's coming from my Father who is in heaven. This is so good. He can be your dad too. He wants this government, this relationship, to shape our world in our Father's likeness. That's why we're here. 
to see this kingdom extended everywhere we go. It's, it's profound, isn't it? I, I don't know about you, I, I find this amazing. And all I want to say to you by way of application is enjoy the rest of your day, have fun with your dad, live from the secret place. When you, <laughs> when you go somewhere, there's something about you that other people don't know. You have got a sneaky secret. It's called heaven and you're in it. And what they don't know is that it's coming their way. It is kind of sneaky, isn't it, that? So, next week, you know, when we get to doing Refresh, uh, or wh whatever we're doing, we have this sneaky little secret. It's called heaven. And it's about to collide with someone else. When you come next week to bring and contribute into that offering, or whether you're bringing food, it's a bit of heaven arriving. Let it come from the secret place. That's what Jesus was saying. Let your generosity come out of the secret place. And just enjoy the fact that your reward is on its way. That your Father in heaven is about to release more of himself to you, if that's possible, because you've just given something of it away. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. Now, um, unfortunately, Kate and I won't be here next week. Um, not because we're um, bunking off. Um, and we, yeah, we will make sure that the secret place is operating as far as we're concerned. Um, but next, next week, next week, Kate and I are down at um, Burley in St. Matthias. No, St. Matthias down in Burley. Um, because they've asked us to go and speak to the folks down there. Um, which is, I'm telling you that because it's just an expression of relationship that's opening up and where there's a sense of God gathering his church around this city. Frankly, I am loving that. Um, it, it is about to do this city a whole lot of good. I don't just mean us going to Burley. I just mean what God is doing in the church, in this city. So Father, we want to say thank you. We thank you for your tremendous gift of yourself. God, how can we thank you? Lord, we pray that you will constantly draw us in our spirit, draw us into that secret place, that you'd give us such an appetite, such a hunger, Father, to feed on you, that, Father, you'd give us such a, a love and desire for you that, Father, you can't keep us away. Lord, and we learn, we, we learn what it is to cultivate that just in the midst of the ordinary flow of life. Father, I just want to thank you for this heavenly government which comes to us and comes through us through relationship. So Lord, we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.